Kong, thanks so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. No problem. How you been? I've been great. I want to begin with what you're up to now. Obviously, you're not into competitive sport these days. What are you doing? I'm actually in uh, in the coaching mode because my son Anthony, uh, he just uh, he's 19 now, and um, you know he's uh, uh, he's 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 got he's got the talent, and I believe um, he's got the desire. And um, I've been training him, and he, he's he's going to be he's he's going to be a threat out there. Where do you think that desire comes for, uh, from, particularly in combat sports, right? A lot of kids attribute it to things like bullying and outlet for rage. Where did it come from for you? Where do you think it comes from for most folks? For me, it came from because I was bullied, you know, a lot when I came here um, from Vietnam. As uh, you know, I, I, I spent um, in 1975, I left like two weeks before the fall of Saigon. My first refugee camp was in the Philippines. It was just with my mom and um, um, our side of the family. And my dad decided to stay behind with his family. And then, um, uh, so the first ref refugee camp was in the Philippines. Then the second was in Guam and the third was in Monterey. Then we got a sponsor and we ended up staying in Monterey for about six months before we moved to San Jose. And then uh, that, that's kind of like, that's kind of like, like, like my journey, but like through that journey, once I started, uh, you know, getting in schools, of course, a lot of kids didn't understand what the Vietnam war was about. They know that, you know, there was like 50,000 plus casualties in the U S forces, you know, in Vietnam. So, you know, there was a lot of hate and like, you know, and definitely a lot of name calling. I, I remember, you know, as a young, um, you know, boy going through elementary, then, you know, um, um, going through junior high school, you know, it's, it's definitely, uh, it was, uh, it was crazy times crazy it's not as crazy as now but it's it's it was crazy time for 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 a young kid like you know that not um not understanding the english language trying to learn the english language and and then um and you know but god was there and look where i'm at now so how'd you get into san chow uh sanda i started with um a vietnamese um a kung fu school uh that did some taekwondo and then um yeah, uh, you know, I I didn't do it that long when I was ten years old. I say about maybe eight to ten months, and then um, then I got into wrestling um, in seventh grade and wrestled all the way till my second year in college. Then came back to the martial arts. Then after doing a bunch of taekwondo tournaments and point fighting tournaments, you know, I I kept getting disqualified for excessive force in the like the bigger tournaments in the finals. So I I just figured. You know what am I gonna do? Like I'm, I was looking for a full contact and um, the the this U.S. Open uh, challenge, standout challenge. I'm like, what is that? And it says full contact. So what I did was um, I called up the promoter, which was uh, Sean Liu. He's like a um, like a kind of like a, a lower level Shaolin monk that moved over here and started a school and started promoting uh, Sanda fights and. So I talked to talked to him about the rules. And I was like, "Wow, you can wrestle, you can like throw guys." So I flew out there and um, and, and and fought in two different weight divisions and won them both and broke, uh, fractured my hand and fractured my foot. So it was rough coming home. But that after that tournament, I I, I just wanted to to fight. <laughs> so did you get into MMA because the money wasn't there in Senshao? What was the reason for that transition? Well, um. I fought pretty much everyone um, 
that I could possibly fight in Sanda. Um, there was a, a Lee Hai Lung. We were trying to negotiate a fight. He was the best Chinese fighter at the time. It didn't go through. Then, um, you know, in 1999, I I beat the Mongolian king, they call. Um, he was part Mongolian, part Chinese, and he was unbeaten, and he was one of the youngest fighters at the time. I was 26. He was, I believe he just uh, 20, 20 or 21, and then um, he was unbeaten for three years, and then you know, I um, I was a main event and it was in Hawaii. So it was like, you know, China versus USA. And then, um, you know, the only guys who won were um, the two guys from Fairtex, um, um, Jung uh, Sinan and um, uh, uh, in Fairtex. And then, um, and then, uh, and then, and myself. So out of nine guys, there was uh, two guys that didn't have uh, U.S. citizens, but they had green cards. And then me, and uh, I was only like, you know, I was a U.S. citizen, but um, the only one who won with the U.S. citizen against China, but that was their, China's best. And and then, uh, you know, from that, I, I just uh, figure I just, you know, um, continue and fight. And then, then I found MMA because I fought in strike force for Scott Coker. And Scott, Co uh, Scott Coker offered me, um, you know, my first MMA fight as a co-main event. So I said, sure, let's do it. And um I started training in uh, training at AK with Javier Mendez and um and and pretty much the rest is history. How'd you find AK? Uh well, you know, um Scott Coker, AK, um, we all, you know, run with the Strike Force group. Javier had a bunch of um uh, um fighters always fighting in Strike Force. So um, you know, when I when I knew Javier, uh, but when I started doing MMA, I I, I figure I'm gonna go to a, a dojo with the uh, experience in MMA. And then I went over there. And by that time, the first group of the tough fighters with Mike Swick, you know, Koscheck, uh, Bobby Southworth, um, you know, uh, John Fitch, um, you know, great group of guys. And then um, we just, uh, I went over there and Javier, uh, Javier told me, uh, okay, um, jump in, you know, join in. So I, I joined in and, and then, you know, got training and, and, you know, start doing MMA. What do you think about what's going on with Kane Velasquez these days? <clears throat> you know, um, I, you know that's uh, like a personal um, um, issue for Kane, and you know, um, I, I, I definitely posted a lot to try to raise money for him and stuff like that. And I think, uh, you know. Um, uh, uh, it's just a tough situation for Kane and, um, you know, uh, I prayed for him and I uh, prayed for, you know, everything that, um, you know, for God to step into his life and, you know, for him to get closer to God, you know, um, I think we just had a real quick conversation on text, you know, and then uh, he, he told me thanks for, you know, helping out. And I said, you know, no problem. And, you know, that was it, you know, so. When you were in strike force, at what point did you know that you were on track to the title? Um, well, you know, I think after my um, my fifth fight against Sam Morgan, I, I had a really good fight against Tony Franklin. But then uh, Sam Morgan, I just had came back from uh, doing a um, like a, I was filming for about three weeks, and then um, um, and that. I, that 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 I was filming in New York with Channing Tatum, and then when I came back, I was like, um, you know, I, you know, I, I didn't get a chance to bring my trainer with me, and then I, you know, they they had me working so many hours, so I didn't really get to train. So when 
when I came back out, I, I was like, okay, I had like three weeks left because they, you know, we, we went over schedule a little bit. And then, so, um, you know, that three weeks was like just, uh, maintaining and then, uh, you know, getting some rounds in and I was like, man, I, my cardio went away because I was working nights in New York filming, you know, those are long hours. Right. So, um, that fight was, a that was like a, like a, like a rough one. And then, um, plus my, el I had some elbow problems and then, uh, I mentioned about it. So like right after the fight, I had no clue. Frank Shamrock stepped in and then he says, uh, you know, um, he liked, to. Uh, to fight and then um you know I'm, I'm up for the title i had no clue i was just like oh okay let's all right let's do it i'm in so we end up uh you know that frank shamrock's my sixth fight and you know and uh that's that's how i know that that i was up for the title i didn't know i just knew that i was fighting you know um for strike force that day i didn't know anything was going to come after i was more like oh i'm dead tired i'm i'm ready to go you know eat some chocolate chip cookies you know so were you intimidated by Frank? He was a legend by that point, maybe closer to the end of his career, but still a big name. Um, you know, because Javier Mendez trained him, and Javier says that you know what Frank was doing with Maurice Smith. You know, they're 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 going to have a game plan for my stand up, but um, just stay with your stand up. You, you know, um, uh, we both decided like you know I'm not going to mess around with any ground stuff, um, you know, um, do not wrestle with Frank, you know, so your head, you know, cause he likes to snap your head down and stuff like that. And, you know, the, um, and, and work his chokes and then watch out for an ankle lock. So I just said, okay, I'm going to play the range. But then Frank was, um, you know, he's one of those competitors that like, he likes to talk during the fight. So it, it just got, it, it got competitive in like a, uh, like a, like not, not only like a, like a we're we're going at it but it was like when we we're in the clinch he, he was just trying to get in my head I just stayed quiet and and smiled at him and then like I remember when I caught his kick and I took him down he was like come on down and I was like oh no it's okay you come on up you know and then um he kept on saying ah oh, did that hurt oh your lips bleeding and then and then um and then he was like one point two point and then when I kicked him in the head his mouthpiece fell out I'm like that's one point and you know, so it was, it was like back and forth. And I think that entertained, you know, the, like the crowd, you know, so much. Cause I remember he caught me with a good shot and I just nodded to him. All right, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Rocked me pretty good. But then I, you know, I came back with some shots and, you know, it was, it was one of those fun fights and I just knew I was in the rhythm and um, how, you know, my, that momentum and that rhythm and that range was then, then I got a little too comfortable and I was doing the same thing. And then he got me to uh, a straight uh, left or right. And I kind of, you know, like, Whoa, no, my feet was, you know, a little bit, you know, not underneath me, but then I regained myself and we started going toe to toe again. And, you know, I caught him with the hook kick and a spin back fist. And then um, I call it an, a ninja toe kick where I, it's a roundhouse, but I hit him with the, the, the like the bob, my, my, like the front where the toes are, but I lifted up, I hit him there and I, I heard go. I heard him go, oh, and then, then then every time I threw kicks, he would start dropping his hands a little bit, and that kick just caught him in in in, in that bone. And then I heard snap in the third round, and I knew it was so loud. It it, it sounded like something breaking, which something his bone broke like this, not just fracture, you know. So uh, I, I knew it was over. I came back to the corner, and I'm like, it's over. And Javier's like, it's not over till it's over. I'm like, it's over. He's laying on the ground. It's over. And then uh, he's and mom's. Uh, I'm gonna go celebrate. Okay, let's go. And I hugged everyone, and I'm like, "Yeah, that was that was kind of how it went." You know, were you upset when Strike Force closed shop? Um, you know, 
you know, at that time I was like doing movies. So I was just like, uh, you know, what's going on? What's going on? So I was filming three movies back to back to back. And then, um, you know, I heard, you know, um, Scott was going to sell the, 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 the promotion to UFC. And I was like, Oh, you know, that's, that's a bummer. And then, um, so I realized, you know, I'm going to have to figure out to do something. And then, um, but like before that I had one more fight cause I had done all these movies and I came back and I fought, um, Scott Smith. And then, you know, obviously, uh, this time around, um, you know, the training wasn't like there for 18 months. I wasn't really, you know, training for uh, doing, you know, doing uh, fighting or MMA. I was just training to stay in shape for the films. Then, you know, that the, the seven weeks that I had to prepare for the fight, that was like the roughest seven weeks because for 18 months, it was like not training, you know, and traveling, flying, promoting the films. And it was, it was just, uh, I definitely realized that, you know, um, it, it, it was uh, better to focus on one career than dabbling in two careers, especially when you're fighting at the highest level, you know? So, but I did what I did and um, I don't look back and I enjoyed my, my time. And I, and I enjoyed what God blessed me with and the path and um Kind of like, you know, where I'm at now, I, I couldn't be more happy. You know, um, before I can say I fought for Strike Force, the main event, you know, that I fought for UFC, and now I fight for God Almighty, Most High, Most Powerful, Most Loved in Jesus Christ's holy and mighty name. How how amazing is that? You know, now you know my wife and I, we have like between us ourselves, um, like over a hundred and plus cases of spiritual battles, exorcisms, and we do all this for free. So I mean. You know, it's, it's more rewarding when you truly have God like right there with you. And then when you're praying to God, when you're actually, when you're fighting, you're sinning because what is the image of God? We are made in the image of God and, and, and his likeness. So we're punching each other in the face, you know, and, you know, um, a lot of people like, hey, Kung, you're, you're, you're a Christian. You know, what the Bible says this about, you know, the face or the fighting. And I said, hey, you know, God had um, King David, you know, also King Solomon, was, uh, you know, a little bit of a warrior like his dad, you know, but he had his warriors. So, you know, you know, now that I know, um, you know, um, if it's a sin, I repent, but I gave God all the glory. Every time I won, I pointed up, even though I lost, I prayed to him and said, thank you for the experience, you know, and God comes first and everything else will follow. Why and how did you make that transition to the UFC? Um, I remember I was promoting this movie, uh, um, Dragon Eyes, and then uh, I was at Comic-Con, and then uh, they're interviewing me about, you know, um, the movie Dragon Eyes, but then they're like, so what are you going to do about fighting? And I said, well, you know, UFC bought out a Strike Force, so, you know, obviously I'm still on the Strike Force banner, but, you know, um, I've done everything I could do in MMA. I won a title. I'm doing movies now, so um, unless the UFC, you know, pays me more money and and then, um, you know, puts me on there, you know, on 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 their roster and, or, or I will, you know, just do movies and retire from fighting. And then right after that, a week later, you know, I was in the UFC office um, talking about, you know, who, who they want me to fight first, which was Vitor Belfort, but that didn't happen because he, he pulled out of the fight and then um, I ended up fighting Vandalay. Were you happy with that Vandalay fight? <clears throat> well, you know, um, I was happy of the name. Right, because Vitor is a big name, and I, I when I when I came there, I, I was like, I want to fight the best, you know, I want to fight the top guys, I want to fight these names. So, um, <clears throat> Bandelay, um, you know, um, 
came off. The only thing that threw me off was like I was training for a southpaw for, you know, like four and a half weeks. And then, then when they change opponents, um, you know, Vanley's standard. So, you know, I should have, you know, um, I should have made the adjustments there. I just stayed sparring the same guys, you know, and then, um, you know, I should have, you know, said, hey, let's go standard now. You know, I need more standard fighters instead of southpaw fighters fighting me, you know. But, you know, it's, it's you know, I, I, I had a, I had, I had a good round and three quarters until he got caught, you know, and um, again, that one, you know, it's like, as soon as I got to um, UFC, it was like, you know, I was older, you know, it was like, by that time I was 39. So like injuries took longer to recover, you know, and, you know, I, I ended up, uh, I had crazy stitches on my, on my, my, on my, like my, here's my big toe. It's right there. I had like almost like a hundred stitches. I kicked someone's headgear, but the buckle was sticking out. And then because my adrenaline was going after the round, I was like, who's bleeding on my mat? Clean it up. And it was my foot. <laughs> it was my foot. What's different about the UFC? Is it just the scope of the event? Is the level of competition higher? No. Um, you know, the, the guys I fought, you know, like um, um, uh, Vanley, I was actually – doing really good against family. I was actually doing better against family than like the guys I do against strike force. And then, you know, um, like Patrick Corte, you know, I, you know, for that fight, you know, I, you know, I came back off like the, the broken nose that family like need me, um, you know, and then, um, um, you know, I, I felt like he was a tough fight. He, you know, and in the first round when I kicked him in, in the head, and I was like, oh, man, my foot. And I came back to the corner. I was like, I, I think my foot's broken. And I remember my trainer's like, you want me to throw in the towel? I'm like, no, no, not at all. I'll just put some, like, ice on it or something because it's throbbing, you know? He's like, then, the, then their corner's going to see it. Suck it up. I said, oh, okay, let's go. So I just went out there and fought. And I think adrenaline got me through, you know? I just didn't kick as much on that, you know? I, and I just started, like, okay, third round. I'm like, I'm, I got to go for takedowns because my foot was throbbing. You know, and then I got the win and I went to, um, you know, after that, I didn't know that, like, again, I didn't know they were going to announce my next fight. I remember Dana saw me on crutches and a wheelchair. I was just running in. He's all, what the F's going on? What happened? I was like, I can't broke my leg. And he, he just like shook his head and walked past me and, and then even says, hey, Kong's going to fight. I came in on crutches, you know, on a wheelchair. And then uh, there, he's all, Kong's going to fight. I'm like, oh, well, um. I guess I'm going to fight. <laughs> so. That Rich Franklin knockout was so spectacular. What was the strategy going into that fight? Um, be patient. Be patient. And then uh, don't throw the crazy kicks because, uh, you know, um, you know, with Rich, you know, like um, let him get comfortable with just like basics and then start opening up in the second round. But, you know, I, I did a lot of film study with Rich and then kind of like, so much film study that everything that he was doing, I saw it. I, I, the only thing that he threw me off was he had a really long jab and he was hitting me from lo like long distance. I was like, man, that jab is far. And then when I threw the first counter hook, it was like, like a basketball player shooting and missing the rim and the net. And I was like air ball. I was like, whoa, I, I didn't even hit anything, you know? And then I was like, okay, stick with it. You know, just because I didn't hit him the first time, maybe the second time. So the second time I barely grazed his shoulder. I was like, 
wow, because his range was throwing me off. So then, then the third one, I think I clipped a little bit more of the arm close to his chin, and then he was kicking, he was kicking at my legs, and I, you know, I, I just, I said, I'm gonna brace down and take the kick, and then I'm gonna turn my body and, and then hit him with the hook. And when I hit him with the hook, I, you know, you know, I saw him go down. I was like, oh. Oh, I don't think he's going to get up. And I remember the referee stopping me because I was going to go in and finish it. And, you know, and, and the referee stopped me. So, you know, it was done. So. What was it like coaching the ultimate fire? I was in the coach. I went over to China and I played Dana's part, but then I ended up coaching both teams because, you know, they needed the, because China was a little bit behind at the time, you know, so we jumped in and I was like coaching the yellow team and the red team. So it was like really long days. And then they didn't have a director there. And then the camera guys were like, they never shot a reality TV. I remember they were smoking cigarettes. I was like, hey, what are you guys doing? You got to be filming. We're there. Two guys are going to fight right now. I picked up the camera and they're like, oh, what are you doing? I was like, I, you're not going to film. I'm going to film. You know, they're no, 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 no. And, you know, like I was like fully on the camera, film it, you know, so that's, that's how it kind of went over there. So it was more like stressful over there. Like the whole time over there, it was like stressful because like everything's like the crew didn't know how to film. And, and even Dana got on says, if it wasn't for Kong, that show would have been done. You know, it was like crazy. You know, it was tough because when the, the, the fighters really got mad at each other and they start fighting, I was like, film this. And then after I was like, hey guys, can you reenact that? And they had no acting experience in there. They're just like, they start laughing or something. I was like, okay, that's not gonna work. So let's just catch these moments when we could. And, you know, then I, I, I got their, um, I guess, producer and we got, we got all the camera guys together. And I said, I said in English and they translated in, 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 uh, in, um, in Chinese. And I just said, everything has to be, when these guys are training, when they are talking, you got to be right in there. And so that's kind of how that went. And, you know, I mean, it, it got 30 million eyeballs on it, you know, so in China. What happened in the Bisping fight? I lost, um, you know, I got in real good shape. And then, um, um, you know, I, I remember in the first round, again, my, my, my corners are, hey, same thing. Let them think we're going to play the point game, play the point game. And then, um, and then start opening up in the second round. After the first round, uh, we, you know, we played the point game. And I was like, yeah, why don't you just open up hard and start throwing wheel kicks and throw them off in the first round? But trainers are like, no, stick to the game plan. So I stuck to the game plan, played it in the, like, 30 seconds in the second round. He, he hit me with a, a awkward jab that broke my bone. Not the not this bone, the orbital bone, but the, the bone that held up my eyeball. And I, I should remember at that one time I felt like vomiting and like, like I had to go like diarrhea at the same time. I was so painful, but then, um, you know, I just hit up, I'm not going to go out uh, this way. I'm going to go out on my shield. So I'm going to just stay in there and fight and the best I could. And, you know, I was in the best shape. So I figure I can try to weather the storm and get through it and, you know, and maybe, you know, you know, get lucky with the shot or something. So I was swinging for the fences, you know, kind of game plan went out the door. I couldn't really see on the side. So, you know, um, it happened and I lost and uh, my eyes okay now. So thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. You know, and you can't win them all, but you know, and 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 from that, I figure, you know, um, they they try to say, oh, Kung uh, is on um, uh, HGH. I'll say, why would I be on HGH when 
um, I should be, if I'm going to take something, what's the HGH going to help me? My youth, you know, like my, my, I didn't have that many gray hairs at the time. Why do I need HGH, you know? And then, then I start doing my studies on HGH and saying, oh, okay, HGH is, you know, pr you produce it yourself. If you do a 30 minute workout, guess what? Your levels of HGH goes up 180 times. But since obviously you see all the documents, they had to destroy the record right they destroyed the record that was a public notice then um um but then uh, how come they didn't say well here, here's here's michael's uh blood levels as this and here's Kung's blood level where's where's his it got destroyed too why was his blood level destroyed well because both when both guys fought and we both had a good fight both guys levels i'm sure we like he had maybe my level was a little bit more because i had blood all over my face but because you do a 30 minute workout i can you know, it's proven. And then the reason why they had to drop it, because this doctor, um, he was part of the Olympic Committee, um, Dr. Caitlin, he tweeted saying, hey, I have a 10-year research on HGH. He, he wasn't sticking up for me. He was sticking up for his 10-year research. And UFC, what UFC's claim claimed was, was that went against his 10-year research of HGH and performance-enhancing in the Olympic committee. So the, he was part of the Olympic, you know, committee for the PED specialist. So he says Kung's levels were normal. So right away, what did UFC do? They retracted everything. First, first it was a nine month suspension, but then Lorenzo's all, that's not, that's enough. I'm gonna, I'm gonna step in here, let's make it 12. Well, we made it 12, but then again, that got, you know, washed out because your, your claims were wrong and and you know they they never made an apology. They just said, "Hey, here's another fight. You ready?" I'm like, "Man, after all this, I'm gonna I'm done with this." You know, and so next day a new rampage came in and um, told me about this lawsuit. I jumped on board. I met Rob Macy, and you know, and from there, we 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 had a, you know, I decided to jump on, and then and then rampage says I still want to fight. So rampage moved out of the lawsuit. I stayed in. I had a big enough name with the group and then they moved forward with the lawsuit. And then, um, you know, no one believed that we would get where we were at. Everyone's like, you guys are gonna get crushed. You, you guys are up against a 400 pound gorilla. You guys are like little like little chimpanzees, you know, getting gonna get ragdolled all, all over, right? So for five five years, we we had that. Um, then all of a sudden for like, not not five, but I think it was like about four. And then we had a like a three year, like where nothing was happening because of COVID. And then, um, you know, um, like the judge already says that, you know, he's going to give us a class certification. We didn't get anything. So my wife and I took a, a you know, page out of the Old Testament. And said we're going to pray for seven days. We're going to pray every single day for this case. And as soon as we've done with the seven days prayer, soon after, um, uh, Rob called me and says, hey, Kung, uh, we got a date. They're going to announce our class action. And that was last year. I was like, what, really? Wow. Thank you, Father. Right away, we did a family prayer. And then we said, okay, thank you, Father. You made the impossible become possible. And then right away, Father, please fast track it. Let everything do. Boom. This They were expecting 20, 2025 or 2026. We were fast tracked this year in April. And we already started, you know, repping for the trial. Now, you know, I mean, you'll see because they're they got all the money. They're they already bought like like between two of them, they bought two or 
crazy, some crazy yacht that's 400,000, you know? And out of all those people like Dana and, you know, the Fertitta brothers, they made more money than all the fighters combined. You know what I'm saying? It just doesn't make sense, right? And so no one thought we can do it. Who's laughing now? Again, with God before us, nothing can stand against us. That, that's how it is. When you truly believe in God and you truly got a case, I mean, it's it's really a an open and and shut case with you know of you know the judge already throwing everything out there. Look at the evidence. I mean, look at what they did. They they cornered their market. You know, everything works out the way it is. And in the end, you know. Um, when you put God in, into the mix, his ha- his fingerprints are all over it. You're one of the few guys to transition into acting in such a way in which you became a star, essentially. You were the leading actor in movies with action stars and, and, and Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren and all those other people. Why do you think you were able to make that transition so well in a way that other people weren't able to? Well, you know... Um... I think I had the fight game uh, like promotion that um, got the eyeballs on me. You know, um, I think after the um, Tony Frickland fight, when I was doing this, it was spinning wheel kicks and the ninja toe kicks and, you know, my style. And then soon after that, um, you know, um, a Hollywood agent called me, a Hollywood manager called me. And then, um, you know, Scott Coker is the one who says, hey, don't worry, I'm going to send you out there. He paid for my way. Like Strikeforce paid my way, and I went out there. And next thing I know, I came back, and you know, um, within a week, they're like, "Hey, here's an audition." I, I I got the audition, and that was for fighting. That was with Channing Tatum. Then I got you know uh, Tekken, and I got Pandorum, and like those three movies went back to back. And right after Pandorum, they they said, "Hey, uh, uh, a famous uh, Hong Kong director uh, producer wants to um, you know bring you out the, from the Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, um, Bill Kong." I was like, wow, Bill Kong, you know, wants me in, in one of his movies. And he says, yeah, Bill's actually going to fly out and meet you. I'm like, really? Bill Kong's going to come? Well, he's already going to be out here, but he wants to meet you. So we met with Bill. And then that same day I met with Bill, he sent a, a contract to um, the office. I'm like, well, I'm off. I, I better figure out what I'm going to do with my fighting career because, you know, they want me to like leave in a couple weeks, you know? And it was like, I, I went out there like, hey, a, a week, we're going to pay you 50K. I'm like, for a week, I'm there, you know, so let's go. So I was there. And I ended up, I worked in two weeks. So, you know, the actual week that I was there, I made more money. I was like, wow, this is, this is like, you know, hurry up and wait. But, you know, I mean, you know, uh, you know, what could go wrong? And then what did go wrong is like they had these two guys pulling me on the wire, right? And I was supposed to jump from one rock to another. And then, they didn't realize how heavy I was. And so they tried to pull me. And I, I remember when I jumped up and all of a sudden the, 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 the bungee wire kind of like, that was it. They couldn't pull anymore. And I hit the rock. Boom. I was like, oh, and I came down like, I'm glad that rock wasn't real rock. It was like fake rock, you know? So they had to patch the rock up. I like messed it up a little bit. They fixed it and they're like, okay, let's film it on this side now, you know? So we changed direction and we refilmed that, that shot. And they're like, okay, we're gonna have four guys pull you. You know, so, and it was funny because when the four guys pulled me, I went too high. So they're like, okay, they had to like, adjust it. So it was like, all these things happen. And I credit God for it because when, when at that time, everything I did was like, Father, please guide me. Father, please guide me in Jesus Christ, holy name. So everything was going right, you know? So what so. are you up to these days, Kung? 
Believe it or not, I'm uh, spreading the gospel. My full-time job, I work for God. I, I fund it myself. I spend all, pretty much like, you know, my, my savings that I've had and to go help people and um, to do God's will. So I literally packed up everything, sold half my, my fight memorabilia to, um, you know, recoup a little bit more money to get me through, you know, you know, um, you know, all these people were like, all these people are like, you know, we're trying to help and we don't charge. And so I said, I'll just, I'm going to put my, I'm going to put my faith in my, you know, kind of like where, how, how, how deep am I going to go? So I said, I love my fight gear, but it's already in the past. People want to pay for it. So I'm just going to auction it off. And next thing I knew it, that, that money that I sold with half my fight gear lasted a whole year. Wow. So, you know, I'm about to start another auction off and and then go for another year. So we'll see what happens. I put it in God's hands. But as you can see, look at the world around us. We're today could be a start of a civil war. As a lawyer, you, you know how much you do research, right? You have to you really do your research before your cases, right? That's I strongly suggest to you to do your research in the Bible because everything that's happening now, like Israel, it's already written in Zechariah 14. It's already written in revelations you know and look at everything that's happening so as as right now we're living in a in that um in the in the time where good is considered evil evil is considered good you should really watch this movie uh this uh, uh documentary it's with bill wise it's called 23 minutes in hell because he breaks it down he was a preacher and how he got to god is his friends they, they were in florida and they they all jumped into this uh, ocean off a boat and they, they didn't check. They didn't check their situational awareness. They jumped in, and then they all jumped in at the same time, right in the school sharks. Uh, Bill Wise, at that time, he was 19. He got pulled down by a, a, a tiger shark. And when he was going down, he was like, oh, and then he saw blood all around the water with his friends getting, like two of his friends, or uh, two people who said around him ended up getting killed. But then he started praying. Then next thing he knows, he, he said, the, the tiger shark let go. And when he got on board, he was like, he thought his leg was going to be missing, but like, it was like, he's like, it, nothing, nothing was there. Then he started preaching, but it took him seven years to talk about that story because he was traumatized by it. Or then, then all of a sudden one day, 30 years into his preaching, he woke up at midnight and then, um, and then uh, he went to go get a drink of water. And he said that he's, he saw his body just laying on the ground. And next thing he knew, he started descending into the abyss. And then he, he broke down every single thing where he landed. There's a scripture where, where those gates were. And then where he landed, whatever happened, he couldn't breathe. He couldn't, like, he had no energy. He, he didn't know God anymore because he talks about God let him go down there as a, someone who, who, who wasn't religious. He, he, they, God took the Christian faith away from him so all he knew was like oh these are monsters ripping me apart how come i'm not bleeding but there's like dust coming out right because he said when the demons ripped them apart and then he said because blood is life that is our life and when god turns away from you the life is gone from you so that's why and he says down there like it, it was just a struggle just to move a little bit and then like all he said was like he saw and like a an ocean full of like people from top to bottom just burning and screaming and so and he breaks it down everything that he says is in scripture and that's why 23 minutes in hell that's what i suggest for everyone 
there's a 30 minute part. There's a, there's a one hour version and he's world renowned because all, his story goes along with like all, all these near death experiences. And I, every single near death experience I've seen, I've seen this scientist with four kids. She loved her kids. She broke down how much she loved her kids. But once the, the father took her to heaven and because she was like, Oh, you know, I, I know God, I love God, but I don't, I don't have time for God right now. My career is too busy. I don't, there's no time. I have four kids. What am I going to do? So after she had a little adventure kayaking, because that's what she does on her vacation, her kayak came down this spot and plunged into the water. She got stuck down there. And the next thing she knows that she saw her body, same thing, looking down at her body, same thing as Bill Weiss looking down at his body. And the next thing she knows, she was in heaven. She's like, wow. I can zoom into things that I, there's that spot. I thought of it. I was there. Then I started talking to God. And then, then her story is like, she's like, then God says, I want you to go back and tell everyone about this. And she's like, I don't want to go back. Even though she had four kids and I have kids. And I, I, I was like, what, how? Because when you're in heaven, it's like the most magical thing. So there's thousands of stories about people going to um, heaven and coming back. And there's, Thousands of stories of people going to hell. There's only two ways, everyone. There's up or there's down. And there's only one God, but the devil been doing it since the beginning of time. And the, the reason why I would tell you this is, like a lot of people don't, don't want us to know this, but we're all seeds of from Adam and Eve. God spent one day in heaven to create man and woman. And one day in heaven is considered a thousand years here. So he spent a thousand years on creating man and woman. So... That right there just shows us number of man is it's all scientifically is number is a six. Number of women is a six, right? You put that together, what do you have? You have 66. How many books are in the Bible? 66 books in the Bible. How many lines on our thumbs? Every single person has different lines, different patterns on their thumb. No one's the same, but you got to think of it this way. There's 66 lines. And again, number of man is six, number of women is six. If you add it together, what do you have? You have 12. How many disciples that Jesus Christ had? He had 12 disciples. How many books are in the Old Testament? 39 books. Why, why is it 39 books? Because Jesus Christ took 39 stripes. And 39 books is God's word from Genesis on that. But then now we're talking about 27 books. What's the 27 books? The New Testament. What is the two for? Woman and man. Seven, seven days God created every single thing. Then when you add all the pages together, there's two numbers. I can't remember the exact number. It adds up to 39 again. It's like, it's so deep. So since Adam and Eve transgressed because they were tricked by the devil, also it's not just man is being judged. Every single thing with the soul will be judged. And again, Zechariah 14 talks about how when Jerusalem is surrounded, God himself will come back and fight. Remember, Israel is 18 times smaller than California. And they're around all the Muslim, you know, Iran, you know, Syria. They're like all like, and they can't defeat Israel. Why? Because it's already written in the Bible. When, when people attack Israel, God's going to fight. And look, look what's happening. Floods everywhere. And in the Bible, it says, like in the days of Noah, the son of man's going to return. What is the day of Noah? There's a Noah. They already found it. It's in Turkey. They found it on top of a mountain. And even a, a group of scientists and a group of Turkeys, uh, Turkish scientists 
said they got in the first room, they had all this footage, they got it on the news, but I'm sure they didn't get to go on because the Turkish government probably says, hey, get out of here, you know, or whatever it is, but it's there. And now the mountain, you can see, it's like there's been a lot of rain over there. It's already unraveled the, the, the Noah's Ark. Just they know, the elites don't want you to know because they don't want you to know how special you are to God. And there's only one God, but there's four four thousand religions, over four thousand religions. And um, how many nationalities are there? Two hundred and twenty-three nationalities, but four thousand religion. You see how the devil's mix lies with the truth. That's why most people don't understand and don't see because they don't seek the God. God owes us nothing. God already let His only Son Jesus Christ die for us. So that right there just shows us that we belong to the Most High. But where we're living now, we're about to enter into a civil war here, which is waiting for the return of Jesus. And that's on God's time. No one, no one knows the time or hour except the Father. But we sure know the season by the signs. Well, Kung, yeah. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for talking to me about your life, your career, your outlook on uh, certain uh, elements of life and your viewpoints. Thanks, Kung. No problem.